What's up, boomers? Welcome to the ninth episode of the Business Boomer. Today's episode is with Indranil Chitle. He's a fourth generation partner at Chitle. Uh, so this episode is very, very, very interesting. First, we talk about how he joined in the first place and his story in within Chitle. Then we moved on to his angel investing career. Then we talked a bit about the edu- Indian education system as well. And then finally, we talked about his startup, Herbie. a uh, great episode in general a lot to learn from so make sure you listen to the whole thing i mean it doesn't matter you don't have to listen to it in one go listen 30 minutes the rest 30 minutes uh the next time all right enjoy the rest good evening everyone my name is indranil chitai i am a fourth generation managing partner at chitai group so i basically look after the manufacturing operations supply chain R&D, product development, uh, and the strategic part of the business. Yeah. So to start off, uh, just tell us about. You could go off with your childhood. Let so it's a family business, obviously. So, obviously, your uh, your father, or if you have uncles or granddads, you said it's a, your fourth generation partner there. So growing up, did you look up to them? Ki even I want to work here, or what's going? What was going on when you were when when you were a kid? Yeah, so I would say that uh, you know that way that there was no pressure on me to join the family business. Uh, pretty liberal environment that we had at home. Uh, but the good part was that you know this was in an age where uh, you know uh, I actually saw telephones uh, switching over to cell phones uh, in uh, you know in front of me. So back then you had to you change your SIM card when you were going from Pune to Mumbai uh, because the telephony was that bad. What used to happen? Uh, All the family members used to meet together uh, and talk on different things that they did uh, in the morning and what they want to do in the afternoon, uh, and basically discuss that and take things ahead because there was no communication uh, as fast as what it is today. So hearing to all of this or listening to all of this all the time, uh, I was able to get a good idea about what to expect when I was joining the business. So when I took up the decision to study engineering uh, and determine that you know how I can put my engineering skills to uh, you know make Chitale more of a manufacturing company and how I can fit into that role which the family wanted me to fit into, uh, I was pretty clear on what to expect and what to do. So definitely, I would say that you know I was looking up to all of them. Uh, I was also being guided by all of them, uh, and I was also subconsciously being groomed by all of them uh, to uh, you know learn the nuances of running a business like that. Okay, okay. So you, you, so you did engineering or what? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so obviously you joined Chitle in two thousand and eleven. So how old were you then? So when you decided to take off? Uh, I was twenty three. Okay, so, so were you almost straight out of college? Okay, so were you directly put into the role of uh, what you still do right now at Chitle, or? How, what was the process there? So uh, I think the first project that I was given was uh, basically to start working in the factories and just analyze what is happening there. So my father had given me a very strict instruction that the first year you don't really talk on the floor or you don't do anything on the floor. Whatever you feel, whatever you uh, observe, whatever you think can be done differently, you talk to me directly. So you are not going onto the floor and talking to other people. Uh, and giving them instructions that this can be done in that way or this can be done in another way or something like that. 
so first year i was just observing i worked in all our factories uh, i spent uh, time there just understanding and by that time people there also got used to having me around and since i wasn't doing uh, any talking uh, i was more of an apprentice there where i was working with them to basically do things like say fixing uh, vacuum pumps or changing bearings or managing the boilers handling other activities in the plant like uh, you know utilizing the compressors seeing how whether we can improve our power supply quality of power because back then you know the whole idea of uh, power factor modulation was something that was pretty new uh, so that way one by one i was just given responsibilities that were uh, pretty uh, basic but something that helped me create a good working relation with the people in our factories okay okay and it's only around 5 years down the line that uh, i actually was in, uh, you know given responsibility of managing a whole new project which uh, was like a 65 crore project that uh, the family was going to invest into uh, and that was basically the first time i actually did something big uh, which was you know i could say is my stamp on the organization so till that point i was working on installing machines uh, taking trials seeing whether we can automate some other process etc etc uh but nothing really uh specific about uh you know a role that i am in today uh that is something that i graduated gradually into say around 2017 so almost 5 years later okay so what was this uh, first big project that you got so that's building the new factory okay so about this uh, chitle i want to ask so first before before you came in was it all automated or was it still moving into that complete automation phase so what what is the manufacturing process like of all the parts no so we are not completely automated still either so you know automation is not something that you can do overnight yeah. it's a gradual of course so there are you know Critical areas that automate first, then the most critical areas that you automate eventually. Then you automate the most, uh, you know, unessential areas. In a country like India, where we have, uh, you know, the ability of having cheap labor around us, very often we don't even need automation in certain activities like they do in the Western countries. Yeah. So that way, uh, you know, it's all done on a project basis, where one by one strategic calls are taken that you know this is what we did, this is what we are able to scale. or this is what we are able to overcome uh, and on that strategy is where you, we as a company act upon okay okay so about that only so uh, are you are you guys willing to automate it or because india has cheap labor so obviously there has to be some kind of balance right so this this much percentage will uh, for the manufacturing we'll have labor and this much we'll have automated so see we are uh, Can I to give you an idea? Uh, if you are to compare the Indian food industry, where traditional Indian food products are being made, ninety percent of the uh, industry is dependent on skilled labor, uh, highly trained manpower, uh, and a lot of batch work and manual process. If you are to compare that ninety percent, we rank in the probably the top two percent when it comes to the process automation, handling, uh, management systems. governance and overall uh, sophistication of our processes which match any global standards when it comes to food technology or the food manufacturing concept so that way you can place us into that 
term of uh, most highly automated companies in food sector of traditional manufacturing uh, traditional indian food manufacturing but uh, you know whether uh, that makes us the most automated setup in the world then that is not the truth because probably there are some things that are still cheaper to do in india with the help of labor okay perfect so now just i want to ask you so obviously now when we talked earlier on the, the first time we talked you wanted to discuss about how chitla is a family business or of how you told me some statistic that uh, family businesses generally fail after this this generation this generation so as as a fourth generation partner what kind of responsibility you have do you have to take the business forward see the thing is uh, only 2% family businesses actually go into the fourth generation so i to talk about responsibility the thing is that you know we are uh, we are fighting against the clock when it comes to uh, the probability so most likely if any statistician is to look at it as a fourth generation business uh, we will be written off in the category of being like most likely to fail because that is the way the numbers work but when we are not doing that that means that you know we really need to keep innovating uh, and re uh, thinking the way we are doing business and reimagining how we actually want to present ourselves as a business so that we are relevant to the times that are today because what worked 80 years ago what worked 50 years ago what worked 10 years ago is not what will work in the next 10 years so how as a organization do we create a culture of innovation do we create a culture of uh, uh, you know uh, a forward looking attitude and how do we keep innovating on new products and actually create value for our consumers is the responsibility that i carry and if we are able to carry this on then you know it doesn't matter how many generations we uh, uh, are there in the business we will always be relevant as a business so that is the balancing activity that we need to carry because uh, understanding this requires a lot of uh, transparent view of an organization and very often family businesses are too passionate and are unable to look at it from a uh, pragmatic perspective so bringing that is the most important aspect for any person trying to run a family business yeah i think what you said makes sense only 2% of the family businesses go on to the fourth generation because like Correct. many people i think not many i don't know you you could share me your views with this but for me i think that let's say i own a business right so let's say i own a business and then my uh, my child i want my child to take it forward so obviously my yeah. child my child may not be even interested in business they want to do that's something right. else so that's i think the biggest hurdle what do you think that's true absolutely true and you know as a family business you should not be person dependent at all and okay you should be system driven so that it does not matter whether your family next generation succeeds the business or not you know the ownership and the governance are two very separate aspects which Correct. family business need to understand it doesn't matter if your son wants to join your business or not or your daughter wants to join your business or not uh, the thing is the business should run on its own it's not something that should, that is dependent on you or your family it is dependent on you and your family's value system but the business model should be independent of the family yeah of course but so obviously like you would generally want your own blood to carry it forward so that's another thing that's a whole another thing uh i wouldn't so i as i said you know i come with a very pragmatic viewpoint so i uh, rarely i rather you know we we've all seen uh, 
uh, what happens when you put uh, people who are not uh, reluctant into the seat of power mm-hmm. yeah they yeah never succeed correct why do you want to put somebody into a pressure situation and uh, you know collapse an organization that is running fine without them even coming into the picture so rather make sure that you know their interests are protected mm-hmm. while their wealth creation ability of your business is surviving so i have absolutely no pressure on my next generation to join the business the business will run on its own even if they don't join yeah of course you shouldn't make it that way but uh, yeah and also let's say let's say if uh, let's say if my granddad let's say he was he he has a business right so as a young person as a 15 year old 16 year old how, should i sh- should it be kind of my responsibility to uh, carry it forward what do you what are your views on that as a, as a kid see i would say if it is something that your grandfather has built then naturally you should never overlook this aspect but what you have to do is look at it from a very third party perspective and see whether what business your grandfather has actually started is something that can fit you as well because if you do not fit into it properly you are trying to run it is never going to be successful correct so can you actually look at uh, uh, you know fitting into the picture and uh, then uh, doing a value addition into it and while doing so uh, focusing on uh, you know growing the business as well do you see yourself fitting into this whole bracket if you can then uh, go and run the business just like i took the decision but if you see that you don't fit or you see there is a conflict of it uh, then absolutely don't force yourself into doing that yeah obviously like you shouldn't ever do something that you don't you something that you're not fully confident into getting so eventually you're going to fail like you said earlier yes very likely because you will never enjoy what you're doing correct so now the uh, should always be about doing what you like correct than anything else correct doing what you like and happiness correct okay so yeah so now i just want to okay now i want to talk about your angel investing career you started in 2018 i believe that's right okay so for uh, for some of the listeners who don't know what angel investing is could you explain them okay so very often there are very enthusiastic uh, people who start up a new company uh, and uh, this company basically to start working uh, needs a certain amount of funds because you know unless you invest something into it you're not going to get returns out of it so you need to probably build a product or you need to build a uh, purchase your raw material or you need to uh, you know build some technology around it so all of this requires a seed capital uh, which is something that as angels you are able to do so i focus on investing into companies like this that focus highly on to the utilization of data so anything that drives data so be it sports be it human resources uh, be it genetics uh, be it uh, food consumption i try to invest into companies at a very early stage and get them up to a certain level where they are able to get that round a funding from a uh, you know a vc uh, or uh, a private equity or something like that so that mm-hmm. hand holding of you know taking the startup to a company maturing that is something that uh, i like to work with and that's how i am invested into these sectors all right so the ones you mentioned so 
genetics uh, food and stuff like that that's right so that's what that that's the kind of startup that you uh, invest i focus on. okay okay so obviously even i want to know a bit more about this so uh, obviously it ha- it is kind of a capital invest capital intensive uh, way approach to investing you could say i i don't think anyone would want uh, 10000 or 1 lakh or 10 lakh rupees so what kind of money do you need to start start something like this for yourself uh, it, it depends on the game you are trying to play so you know there are startup organizations like mumbai angels or something like that mm-hmm. where you know they are you club a lot of angel investors together oh uh, and then that can be so just yesterday i remember reading some other startup that is uh, trying to raise funds for as cheap as 1 lakh rupee per person oh so you know uh, you need to find uh what is your risk appetite and where you exactly fit in and if that is something that matches you uh then you just need to go all in and take that leap of faith but of course while doing that uh, you should not just do it uh, simply for the sake that you have money you have to analyze uh, how these companies are working whether the business model is making sense uh, whether there is a real time uh logic into this company getting successful all of these aspects you need to start learning and based on that you can take jumps and you know analyze that so i spend a lot of probably two days in a week uh, just trying to get to know new companies and what they are trying to do so that helps me keep abreast about what new com- things are happening around in the world and while doing that you know that also helps me leverage my uh, brain ability to be invested in the cutting edge things that are there okay okay this is very interesting now so could you okay so how is angel investing uh different from investing in the regular stock market or investing in other uh asset classes uh see the stock markets are companies that are listed onto the stock exchange yeah. and they follow a certain way of growing so they can be mid cap small cap large cap you know and every company has its own trajectory of growing uh and they can give certain way of return but uh, you know there is a way to which the returns are in the stock markets work uh compared to this these angel invested companies are very small you know they are uh, you know like consider themselves to be companies in the uh, preschool category okay so yeah so uh-huh. at preschool uh, what you need is that you know the kid is doing everything on its own so the teachers are trying to groom the uh, kid into knowing that you know they, you can start drawing you can start learning spellings you can start learning maths you should know some history all of that activities and all of these activities need to be ingrained into the culture of the company along with the business model and when that happens then that is when the company becomes mature enough to be valued into something else so imagine that to be something like high school okay so the job of taking a company from preschool to high school is basically what angel investing is okay so as an angel investor my job isn't just to dump money into them i have to guide them essentially you could say of course because uh, you know imagine a 5 uh, year old kid you know you need to guide that kid all the time to so that you know it doesn't hurt itself or doesn't land into bad company make poor choices okay so helping that is where the angel investors are necessary because after that you know when the things start establishing you don't need to keep looking at a teenager all the time and telling them what to do they know what they want to do yeah so obviously so that way that okay. initial part is where you know you have to uh, handhold that is what angel investors try to do so that's why they are called angels okay so obviously 
it's not as a, if i were an angel investor and i've put money into this uh, startup obviously all the decision making wouldn't power i won't have all the decision making power there might be other multiple angel investors so that can be possible yeah so uh, it depends on how you structure things right so okay. you know there are multiple ways of structuring some people probably don't have the time to do all of this so they would rather have somebody else take the lead okay so is so let's say a few in, angel investors in that startup want to make this decision and the and the other few want to make this decision how what then how do they like decide and uh, work together how can you work together so all with these, others all of these aspects are something that you need to set a plan for and you know you need to set measurable goals that you know today i am at point a and this is where the angel is coming into the picture i want to go to point b so how do i reach point b what am i going to do for point b there should be a business plan there should be a way of how to do that of how to achieve that what is going to be your unique selling point how are you going to do that all of these aspects are together compiled to actually make these things feasible okay and uh, have you have you had this kind of situation in your uh, journey well i run a family business so that happens every day because there are multiple families in the business so everybody has a different idea of doing that but then as leaders that is our responsibility to find the way out of it mm-hmm. correct so that is basically where the leadership comes into picture because okay. you know inevitably when you are actually having people there individual people with individual brains and individual opinions uh, there is going to be a different uh, thought process for every person okay how do you find a way out of it is what the job of a leader is obviously so now to talk about like the risk factors and like other statistics of angel investing so could you just tell us a bit about that see the thing is uh, you know very early stage companies are very often not clear about what their long term goal will be because they are seeing very short term yeah their idea is to stay afloat yeah uh, and rather than you know uh, becoming a huge company in day one obviously everybody aims to do that but what they want to see is that you know how do i continue Uh, running what I'm trying to run and get more customers, uh, streamline my account, get better people, uh, build a better team, so so on and so forth. So uh, you know, very often these ideas can fail. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, the kind of money that you invest into that, very often that can also go waste because you know, uh, some idea which you thought on paper was very nice in reality is actually stupid or you know wrong. Or the people invested into that startup. were uh, adamant and they lost the money they were not mature enough to handle it or you know uh, the whole business model uh, there is a change in the way the trade work trade works of the trade laws are being placed and they are not relevant anymore so all of these aspects are there which you know you can hamper the way a startup can function so we need to find our uh, risk potential in all of this before investing okay so yeah it makes sense so often usually in a startup mostly it'll be you Most know of- young people Uh, handling it or like very enthusiastic people so sometimes they might Correct. become over optimistic like okay i'll launch this product tomorrow it will grow i'll get 1 million sales this that so i'm obviously making these numbers up so as an angel investor you need to like calm them down essentially ki bhai so that's why yeah. that's why we have to hold hold hands with them right yep. so we need to guide that you know this is how you go this is how you walk this is how you jump whether you want to speed up right now then do you need shoes mhm 
okay so uh, you know it, it's like that so that's why the term angel uh, is there because you know angels historically are somebody who are very essential in doing good things so a startup uh, you know when it's growing at that early stage it also needs a lot of help from a lot of different angles that is where angel investing plays a important role because the angels are able to guide the founders of the startup in a manner where they are able to sustain or under the hope that they are able to sustain okay yeah of course so i'm i'm very interested about uh, as you uh, talked about this I'm, i'm genuinely interested in this so now if i want to learn more about this what 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 are the some what are some resources or books or anything you could want you would want me or others who are interested to take in for themselves you know what you know what i'll tell you is that you know there are multiple books that you can read and you know try to get uh, pra- uh, technical knowledge out of it uh, but the thing is what i i believe firmly is that businesses do not work on bookish knowledge yeah 100% so uh, i would rather say that if you have the liberty of doing that just spend your time with a investment banker uh, for 6 months and see what that guy is doing or what that uh, lady is doing uh, and uh, you know just be in the office and see how people present their business how people evaluate the businesses how they are coming up with new business models and how exactly where uh, can you fit yourself because you know sometimes there are people who invest sometimes there are people who facilitate sometimes there are people who invest at a later stage so you know it depends on the kind of medicine that is needed right so where exactly do you fit yourself is something that you can analyze very well if you actually take the jump into the system yourself yeah perhaps you could take me so, i'm joking yeah i'll be glad to so i have a very young team working with me uh, you know who analyze all of these uh, datas and files and companies and you know we'll be glad to have you work around Yeah sure I was just kidding but we could do that maybe after my exams so and obviously you said that uh, for business bookish knowledge is essentially it's 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 like good for like to have an idea but most of the things you learn in business will be like to actually be out there in the world right right so does this kind of uh, uh, funda apply in any other places except business you know i i will be very frank with you uh, the thing is that you know the way education as a whole in our country or most likely any part of the country, world is designed uh, is not done to uh, create business sense or people who are great businessmen yeah uh, it is designed to create people who can be good for the society but create a very block mentality correct so it's very socialist in nature and you know your businesses cannot be socialist in nature they have to be capitalist yep the creation of wealth creation of value is what should be the focus of businesses you cannot be doing business and expecting it to be run like a charity right so that business sense is never taught in school which is the fault in our education system and you know since the 1970s india has been so socialist about its education that we have been hell bent on creating engineers who know how to program very well but we absolutely don't create entrepreneurs celebrate entrepreneurs or you know create an ecosystem for entrepreneurs to start grow and flourish 100% i strongly agree that, with you and that's because of the fault in the way the education system is designed because you know the thing is the people who are smart enough to run businesses are not the ones who are working actually on making policy 
and the fault is that you know the people who are working in policy and politics are the ones who have nothing else to do so you know they are most uh, they are not employable or technically sound enough to work in a good business environment they only know how to uh, feed their own pockets or create a very block mindset uh, concept so we need to create an entrepreneurship ecosystem and you know as entrepreneurs uh, we need to be supportive of each other and we need to start questioning each and every aspect of education that is being taught to us yeah even as i saw like i i don't think it was a few months ago the uh, they announced the new indian education system so i read it i'm like and i was still okay they they made it a bit more practical but still i was a bit disappointed like so many things you more you could you could have done why just do it now so all of what you said to achieve that kind of but, stuff then the problem is that the people drafting these policies are also salaried people correct they are correct ियमेट्री <laughs> You you don't even need that knowledge unless you are actually going to go and design something great, or you are right. a civil engineer or a mechanical engineer, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are going to uh, run businesses, what you need to know is good civic sense, because you need to do businesses which are legal and you know that don't harm the society. You need good economic sense because if you don't understand economics and accounts, then you don't know whether your company is making profit or not. Third the third thing that is most important is that you need to have the ability to analyze everything that is coming on to you hmm. so be it information about companies be it information about laws be it information about policies so you need to question each and every aspect that the government tries to enforce on to you correct so while we're on this topic of education could you tell me the importance of a degree so unless you want to be a doctor lawyer we know they need a degree for everyone else you know uh, i don't know who are the people who listen to your blog is it the parents or is it the kids it's everyone <laughs> <laughs> my answer will be nice for the kids my answer will be bad for the parents so you can imagine what my answer will be okay so everyone who's listening it's up to you to decide so go on it's it's an opinion it's a very individual thing yeah. but what i would say is that you know if you want to be professional Uh, and you need to know your trade then you know your degree needs to be in your trade it need not be something generalized like being computer engineer yeah yeah so focus on getting education that is relevant to what you want to do in your life so i uh, yeah correct so that i think now like degree is fine but in my opinion if you have the necessary skills and skill set you can get employed anywhere in my at least in the next 20 30 years that will be the mindset of the mo- of most people what do you think absolutely i completely agree with okay so that's it let's not stretch this topic too much before the listeners get angry so let's now talk about your uh, startup yeah so what is it and when did you well, start it so herbi was started with the idea of making ayurveda accessible okay so uh, what we see is that you know ayurveda is such a rich history that india has and uh, you know it's something that has came on for like ages mm-hmm. but the problem is that when we talk about ayurveda we always think that you know it is something that is medicinal or 
or something that is to be consumed like a medicine it's not something that we inculcate into our lifestyle okay so okay uh, so the Speaking. idea was to make these benefits of ayurveda into packaging that is very easy to consume uh, and easy to access and something that adds value to our consumer in their day to day activities so that's where we launched the first product from herbi which is uh, basically a herbal infused herbal infusion uh, so if you want you can have a look here uh, that's the range okay okay and you know we have seven flavors that are uh, focusing on creating uh, different effects uh, with the help of just herbs and the right blend of herbs so it can be like uh, ashwagandha or tulsi or uh, cinnamon or you know lime or uh, you know badami and cardamom and all of these stuff mixed together which create effects like uh, which are good for your stress it can be good for your heat it can be good for your digestion it can be good for your uh, you know immunity and so uh, for uh, sugar control for diabetics or weight loss uh, for people who are struggling to do that so uh, you know having these products in your day to day activity uh, you know while have just like having tea can create good effects for you and that is what we want to try and do 100% i don't think i've seen any well established uh, ayurveda brand I, at least i don't know any uh, so it's good that you're doing something like this to bring the culture back in so you said it started about a year ago right so we we started with the idea of making this a year ago it took us about a year to determine our business plan to find our suppliers to find create the environment for manufacturing packaging uh, developing uh, the marketing plan uh, the go to market strategy and all of it and this year we've launched it uh, we've uh, started with the online uh, marketplace first and eventually that will get into uh, other zones as well which is into higher end supermarkets into the export markets and into the bulk sales as well okay so uh, out of what you learned at your time at chitale uh, how much are you how, how much of it is helping you here obviously you you have the experience to run this smoothly everything everything you know running a food tech company and uh, you know letting it survive for 80 years is something that requires a lot of culture and intellectual property yeah so uh, that is something that i have learned as my part at chitare so that is what we have tried to imbibe into herbi as well because if we are not creating value for our consumers we will never survive okay and so far how is it going ah it's gone to a good start and okay i'm hoping that you know, we are able to lock in our targets very well for next quarter Okay so how are you getting the message across that okay uh, there are these products on the market uh, so how how do, how did my mom or the neighbor know we're using the power of social media okay you now we will as things start ironing out better uh, and you know all our supply chain issues our uh, technical issues availability issues uh, courier and transport issues uh, get streamlined and we are more confident about the ecosystem uh, we will start marketing it more Okay, so right now you're just using social media. So right. which ones are they, and what kind of content are you creating on it? So we are using YouTube, we are using Instagram, we are using Facebook. Okay, so yeah, that's that's a great start in my opinion. So and what are the future plans for uh, Herbie? 
so what we want to hope and try to create out of herbi is a company that is having the indian culture reach everywhere in the world so we want uh, any other country uh, people living there to use herbi as a daily lifestyle product and get the health benefits from it uh, you know while uh, appreciating the age old history of ayurveda that india has uh, gifted to all of us okay so yeah that's great so i wish you the best for your uh, venture and your angel investing journey and uh, your time at uh, chitali so uh, that's been it so uh, make sure you send some uh, sweets and snacks over i would appreciate please, it please let me know your address <laughs> i will get over no i'm just kidding i'm on a i'm trying to stay on a healthy diet so I, i'm not saying uh, I I don't I haven't seen the nutritional values and all in the product so thank you some healthy stuff so yeah your diet should not be hurt yeah so I think herby product should be good thanks for listening to the end everyone hope you enjoyed uh, as I said it was a great episode wasn't it so in case you haven't already wherever you're listening if you're watching this on YouTube uh, subscribe like the video so you see more videos more stuff like this in your recommended. Uh, you'll see more stuff like this in your recommended that's how the algorithm works it shows you what you watch so and if you're on spotify just follow the podcast if you aren't already if you're on itunes follow subscribe and and leave a review if you're on itunes so just give instructions for all of you guys wherever you're listening so that's been it and uh, take care